being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Yes, welcome all to episode 18 of the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast. Five weeks into the season already. Andy, your host here, joined by my battle-hardened Chargers brethren, Jack and Alistair. Boys, plenty howdy, to howdy, talk howdy. about today. After a watch-it-through-your-fingers finish to the Chargers' third win of the season. How are you both? Jack? Yeah, very well, thanks, mate. Um, really lovely seeing both of you at Nick Seals' wedding on Saturday and at the uh, the afters man, on man, the man. Um, or the Friday and then the afters on the Saturday. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, riding high from that interaction, which is really great, and uh, ready and rearing for term four next week. Awesome, dude. Al, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Tiny bit of hungover, I've got to say. Work paid for a nice fancy French dinner to celebrate the end of a long case, and about four hours later. After the waiters had very diligently topped up our Grenache and champagne all evening, I just trained home with a stupid wry grin on my face and thought, oh God, I've probably had a few too many. So I'll be firing. I'll be fast and loose today, I think. Fiery. Good stuff. It's always nice to be treated and uh, shown a bit of love by your employers, isn't it? As always, our loyal fans, you beautiful listeners, thank you. If you're new to the show, welcome. Please take the time, guys, to subscribe to the channel through YouTube or your audio podcast platform of choice or both. Why not? We appreciate you taking the time to listen nonetheless, but those likes and ratings really help us crack the algorithms to expand to more awesome Bolts fans like yourself. So cheers. We really appreciate it. As I said, plenty to get stuck into today to digest the battle of the backs as it was touted. Some serious fan dividing coaching calls. And what it means to be sat at three and two at this stage of our season. We also have a corker of an opportunity within the division ahead of us as we face the Denver Broncos in week six on Monday Night Football. But we will get to that in due course. Week five is in the books. Los Angeles Chargers 30, Cleveland Browns 28. The questions were asked during the week and during the game. What can Staley and co do to quash the two-headed rushing monster that is the Browns? And their pass rush, for that matter, too. Well, it didn't take long for two to become three in as many weeks at that, as Chargers fans' fears were quickly realised. Nick Chubb making the Chargers' run D look like Madden at 500 ping, shirking defenders left, right and centre on his way to a 41-yard touchdown in in what could only be felt as a rage-quit controller-through-the-TV moment. It goes without saying, the football gods like Captain Insano showy no moisey. Some stunted offensive play calls saw the Browns take an early 14-0 lead and Sunday was turning to shit. A huge run through right guard by Austin Eckler for 71 yards sadly only resulted in a field goal, but the Chargers running game was here to play. A 38-yard screamer by Mike Williams on the Bolts' next drive led to the score drawing near at 10-14. Off the back of a 99-yard drive, it was Eckler again this time showcasing his receiving skills, getting in for the score from 12 yards out. Chubb responded, his second on the ground. 
And if not for a missed field goal just before the half, the 21-17 scoreline could well have been worse. The second half, starting off in tidy fashion, Eckler again getting into the end zone, his first TD on the ground, followed just after an overruled uh, Mike Williams touchdown reception. But in response, Kareem Hunt bashed in the Browns third and the game was on at 27 to 28. In what can only be described as a frustrating final stanza for the Powder Blues, a field goal by ring-in kicker Tyler Bertolitz saw the Bolts take the final lead change for the game, going up 30 to 28. But with nine minutes remaining, there were always room for plenty of drama at the highest order. A promising Cleveland drive was stymied by safety Aloi Gilman, Lowe's, red zone interception, returning the ball out to the 18 with 2.44 left on the clock. An interesting decision to run it on third and three, and then the Chargers going for it from their own 45 on fourth and two. Oh boy, pass broken up. Brown's ball with tick over a minute left. Derwin James spies out, a big run stuff on Kareem Hunt, two incompletions to Donovan Peoples-Jones, teed up Cade York for some end of half redemption from 53 yards. The rest is history, he blew it! Chargers win, and who remembers the decision to go for it on fourth down late in the game? Gully, lots to chew through here. I'm gonna throw to you, our mustachioed maestro Jack. What stood out, mate? Uh, well, let's start in the trenches. Um, that's where I uh, spent a lot of my time watching on the second and third. Um, it was per PFF, you know, the number two line in Cleveland versus the number 13 offensive line in, in the Chargers. I mean, if you wanted to see a showcase of how to run the ball, uh, then the Cleveland Browns uh, just just rolled out, essentially, between Jedrick Wills, Joel Batonio, Pochich, Wyatt Teller and Conklin. Um they were near perfect, I think. No linemen allowed more than two pressures against our pass rush. Um, and Petonio finished with a 91.9 uh, block, run blocking grade, which is near perfect. And as you eloquently said, Andy, Chubb was um, exemplary. Us, um, you know, we were, it was a bit of a sort of a come to earth game for Jamari Salia, I think. Um, he allowed six pressures and did um, have a penalty against Miles Garrett. But despite having those struggles, he um, was still recorded a, an above-average um, grade as a run blocker, which is fantastic. And I didn't think he looked that bad. Matt Filer had his best game of the year, which was fantastic to see given our discussions last week, Alistair. Corey Lindsley was great. Zion Johnson had a couple of um, fantastic run blocking and Eckler um, working his way uh, up the big man's bottom. And Trey Pipkins was great to see. I think if the knee injury happened last year, Trey Pipkins is probably off the field crying, but he came back uh, because that <laughs> second that Storm Norton came in and he completely whiffed on a pass block and let Miles Garrett straight through. Uh, I was clowning. It was one of the two. And I'm yeah. going, oh, God, here we go again. But Trey Pipkins came back and did a did a good job. He's now an average right tackle, which is all we wanted him to be. So uh, that, was, that was a really interesting and important Important battle to watch and a fantastic one at that. Yeah, yeah I uh, wholeheartedly agree with all of those observations. Uh, the first thing that kind of springs out to me was that, that just the guts and determination to win a second game on the trot, on the road, once you get into that 14-0 hole. It couldn't have started worse. As Andy said, I was ready to turn off the television. Oh, it's one of these ones again. It's Jacksonville. And then you could just tell quite soon afterwards that our offense had come to play and schematically that we were there and we were up for the challenge. And it was, it was good 
gritty determination to win a tough football game and an important football game. This one was really an offensive masterclass for me, for the Chargers. Um, Lombardi was in his bag of tricks for the second game in a row. We saw this great commitment to the ground game. All of a sudden, we've rushed for 227 yards and a touchdown at 6.68 yards per clip. Ridiculous. And the key stat that stood out to me, in this game, we had eight explosive runs of 10 yards plus. We only had 11 explosive plays, pass or run, for the season through the first four weeks. So just a complete turnaround. And the way Lombardi schemed it up to limit the influence of Garrett, there's a lot of boot action, a lot of getting the ball out quickly to wide receivers and screens. And he had just a really good sense for getting players open. When we were going through the coaches' film together, showed you at least three times when they were running this play-action shallow cross to Mike Williams, where he's coming from one side of the formation to the other, and the Browns linebackers or cornerbacks couldn't work it out, and we hit Williams for at least three massive gains throughout the game. So let's focus on the positives, at least to start the discussion. The offense got us home in this game through overall fantastic play throughout the day. Yeah, I completely agree with you because... Sometimes it looked like we were just going to get gashed. We sort of expected it in in the run game from from Cleveland, but there were times where our DBs and you know for for the most part of the game didn't look that great, and it was a worry. So it was good to see that Lombardi had just sort of loosened the shackles a bit and started to get a little bit creative and start to little find a little bit more rhythm and comfort with this group in 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 this year. So you're right. Uh, heading onto the defense, no, you know what? You've been very, pro- we've been pretty positive as a whole. We saw great things from the run blocking. Um, uh, special mention to Josh Palmer. Uh, good to see old Brick Hands helping out in the run block game. Um, because yep. uh, he's sort of not really finding his way in in the receiving room, which is a bit disappointing considering we kind of need him. Um, Mike Williams, super. What a game. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he's copping so much attention and he's 134 yards. That, Like I said, that, that grab, he had another beautiful hitch route, tricking, tricking the defenders, um, and he's hanging on to the ball. Great to see. McKitty run blocking, not bad, not bad. Um, still a real concern to me just in general. So we'll uh, see a bit more, hopefully, of Parham next week, getting a little bit more comfort in after his return to injury. Uh, yeah, look, on the negative side of things, I think we could agree that um, our linebacking group is is a real sort of struggle, stomach. Um, Jack, do you want to add anything more to the defense or any kind of negatives that you might have seen or things that we can work through? Um, oh, there was just a couple of other observations, not necessarily negatives. Um, I thought that Gerald Everett was a lot of people were criticising him for not having a great game, but him in the pass blocking game was was very very good. Yep. Lombardi schemed the the game, I would say, perfectly, and some people might disagree with that. But given the the cattle that he had and missing uh, Rayshawn Slater, you know, and missing Keenan Allen, I thought that Herbert seemed to have enough time. Um, you know, Miles Garrett was was lining up extremely wide to try and beat Salia p- with pure speed and athleticism rather than power. Because I, I must admit, when I saw um, Garrett go up against 
Salia in that in maybe just lining up rather than the extreme wide nine technique sort of in that seven or eight. Um, you know, Salia actually did all right once he gets his once he got his hands on him, but it was just some of those pass rush moves that Garrett was doing from that wide position that really. I think Sally didn't have the speed. So I thought Everett was really good in that. And and Eckler and Josh Kelly were great, um, not only on the ground and running, but also in pass protection as well. So I thought, um, just to say, just to link to what you were saying, Alistair, I think this is easily Lombardi's best game, easily this year. Um, and have faith because I said it last week, I don't think he's holding the offense back and he's come through for me this week. So thank yeah. you. Thank you very much, Joe. And let's give some props to Josh Kelly. We've been clamoring for him to get a proper go. And credit to the staff. They heard the fans. Maybe they were listening to podcasts or reading Twitter. (laughs) And they swapped it around. They gave Kelly 27 snaps and Sony Michelle had only two. And Kelly, like, I mean, look at the guy's uh, core strength. He suddenly has bursts and acceleration. I don't really remember him having... Uh, and strength to break through first contact. He made every carry a winner. Um, I don't expect to, to see any decrease in his carries moving forward because he's earned every single one. Um, do you, did you like that split, Andy? I mean, do you think Michelle still has a role to play on this team? Uh, or do you, you think, you know, let's go with this kind of approach, all Kelly and Eckler? Uh, the thought did cross my mind just with regard to, I felt so excited as the late signing into the running back room, mm. didn't feel comfortable going in with Roundtree, didn't really know what to expect with Josh Kelly. So Sony Michelle, Super Bowl winner. I've seen him do crazy good stuff, um, but it just hasn't really worked. And I don't think he's been used in the right situation to this point. Um, probably not that many uh, short yardage kind of attempts. Maybe he could have been the better option on that third and three instead of Eckler for the, for the run design. But that being said, I yes, I I like the the snap counts the way that it, it was this week. Um, I thought Joshua Kelly really provided great respite for Austin Eckler when he needed to be off the field because uh, he had a huge huge day. Um, and Josh Kelly's really just performing performing great stuff. So I give him the ball, beat him. Hasn't been really that f- lousy and ha- hasn't been that lousy in the receiving game either. I don't think, don't quote me on that, but he hasn't been as bad. He's protecting the ball. He was a fumble king and pretty rubbish. Um, yeah, not a bad, not a bad day. Two receptions, 33 yards. So yeah, and in the, yeah. in the pass blocking as well. It really feels like the running back room is, is, is a very much a strength for this team now. And, we were 50-50 on it at the start of the year, but it all the, the, the script is written for Isaiah Spiller to come in at some time if, if Kelly goes down with an injury or if, if Ekele is a little bit sore uh, to come in and, and be that short yardage back or just be someone we don't know. Like, is he going to catch it out of the backfield as well? Is he going to be the Josh Kelly type or is he going to be more of a power runner? So um, that's something to look at, I think, you know, in the middle of the season when things get really... Um, when, when things grind, you know, the grind starts to happen. Um, mm. And supposedly, you know, I won't call out the person who said it on Twitter, but our washed running back. Yes, yes, very much washed. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, cool. Trust in Austin Eckler. The guy's a jet. If you ever hear him speak, he's so eloquent and the way oh, that yeah. he um, talks about the grind and what he does. So well done, Austin. Good on you. Yep. Here, here. Jack, maybe I can throw to you for a similar style question. So we saw Kelly and Michelle, a bit of a change to their snaps. On the defense, we saw it with Aloe Gilman and Nas Adderley. So Adderley loses his starting role. Um, he always has only six snaps for the game. Aloe Gilman has 67 of them. What do you think about that? 
Uh, I don't know what's going on in the locker room there. It's it seems very fishy to me because Nas was having a really good preseason. It seemed he seemed he was tackling, he was being aggressive, and Alohi Gilman. Uh, if I just look at my game notes here, I probably got more negative notes than I do positive, yeah. and I think his game is going to be overshadowed by the inter- interception. And you know what, glass half full. Maybe Alohi Gilman gets the. Uh, you know, gets the courage or gets the confidence now that he's picked off Brissett for a game-winning uh, INT. Um, I, I just think he's so small and he doesn't tackle particularly well. And the angles that he takes, man, far out. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on there. Something, something is something is awry in the safety room. I think. What's your prediction, Jack? Do you think the fact he had that late INT is just going to sucker in the coaching staff and he gets the start moving on? Or do you think they're going to move away say, oh, we better get Nas back in or let's get in the rookie JT Woods? Oh, jeez. People are going to... Doubling down on Big Jack. I like it, Al. Yeah. Um, What's a prediction? What do you think they're going to do? He he didn't play that well. He gave up some big plays, but has the clinching INT very late. There's an Just remember, Jack, for every prediction you make... If you get it right, you get to celebrate like no one ever thought it. So yep. just just throw it into the wind. <laughs> well, you d- there is a train of thought to say that if Alohi Gilman didn't pick that off, I think JC Jackson was was undercutting the route too. So um, it would have been an INT anyway. I think Gilman stays on the field next week. I think Nas Adderley comes back on the field in week eight. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Why don't we transition a bit into a few things that the team could maybe perhaps improve on? Because what stood out to me quite incredibly is it seemed that we lost a lot of the things that I would say that were the key determinants in this matchup, right? Amari Cooper and Njoku both got off the leash. We didn't really get any pressure on Brissett. We really struggled to affect the quarterback. Um, JC Jackson continuing to struggle in pass defense. Couldn't really stop Chubb. Got better at the end, but clearly our goal in the game was not to give up 200 yards rushing. Uh, so, I mean, what do we do to work on some of this stuff? Our defense is still 30th in points allowed. We're now 32nd in yards per carry against the run. Um, do you see any changes, Andy, that we could be making on the defensive side to fix things? Well, to be fair, from stuff that I've been seeing, common themes... Uh for example, the TD last week on JC Jackson over the middle, Nas blew the post defense. This yep. week, for example, uh, Njoku, that 38-yard 30, reception where Gilman bit on the the misdirect play action, uh, horrible, horrible read. Um, they're just not executing. There's, there's a lack of awareness. There's a lack of poise, I think. And I, I don't know if it's over, if they're just you know, not mentally prepared for it, but I don't think it, I think it's an ex- execution problem. I think we have good players and we have, I'm jumping on his back again. Brandon Staley is a good defensive mind in, in the game, uh, but it doesn't seem to be big players uh, not allowing us to uh, achieve a better result and not give up bulk yards, huge amounts of yards on the, in the run game. Um, like run blitzes where Kenneth Murray just cannons up and just gets stopped, just stonewalled, and then Chubb just goes around him, or Damien mm. Pierce just drifts by him. Uh, we're not we're not sh- um, shedding blocks 
in the run in the run game in the run defense we're getting just sucked in and yeah they're, they're things i think we can be oh, i don't know how you improve your sort of mental awareness or your readiness but it's just i think it's an execution thing what, what about you jack what do you think well i'm going to put it back on alistair actually canine oh. what's going on yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? We've seen a bit of a drop-off in his what seemed like a fast start. I was quite excited in that Raiders game. It looked like, oh, wow, he's 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 been hurt in the preseason, but he's he's passionate. He's looking to prove a point. And it's almost like after a couple of games of tape have been uh, collected on him by OCs, they're picking up tendencies. Staley blitzes his linebackers, but not his secondary, which is interesting. You've got certain other teams like the Chiefs, who blitz their secondary the most in the league. I'd like to see us change that up a bit because I feel like that's starting to become a bit predictable. And in the last three weeks, you've seen it to Andy's point, Murray is getting stonewalled frequently at the line and they've just got the play call to beat it, whether they get it off quickly to a wide receiver on a screen or something something else. Um, is it something about Murray specifically? I don't, I don't necessarily know. Five is still a relatively small sample. First two games were good. Last three games, not good. I'm, I want to stick stick with him and see how he goes throughout the season. Uh, but yes, it's a concerning kind of trend downwards in how he's playing. Um, why, do, do, I was, yeah. was going to say, so why is Kenneth Murray being blocked? Why is Drew Tranquil being blocked? Why aren't we scheming them open in the A and the B gaps? Why aren't there a few more stunts across the, the defensive line? Because it seems to me it's quite vanilla. It's try and get pass rush. Mac is doing an incredible job. Obviously, mm-hmm. missing Bosa is a huge, huge hole. Is it time for Carl Van Noy to play more snaps? And mm-hmm. I, I do feel when Carl Van Noy is on the edge, he sets it probably better um, yep. than a uh, than a Rump, Chris Rump. Rump. Yep. Um, and he's just a little bit more experienced. You can see he's just got a little bit of patience there. Um, and even though he might not get the tackle, he's forcing the runner either inside or outside, depending on depending on the defensive scheme. So. Why are we relying on Kenneth Murray to try and get past a offensive lineman who's probably you know fifty to sixty pounds heavier than him? Well, the goal is you want to scheme your linebacker up against a running back or through a gap, and at the moment it's just not working. At the moment, as you say, as you're observing, it's the offensive lineman who's actually managing to uh, you know execute the block on the rushing linebacker. Do we need to rush one extra? Do we need to rush six instead of five? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, d- I do feel like Staley's relatively conservative as a defensive coordinator. He's, he's not Gus Bradley. He does some, some, some things, but he's not, a, he's not a frequent blitzer. He doesn't like to create pressure. He's worried at getting hurt on the back end. Uh, I don't know. Let's, let's see something more. But this was the worst linebacker play for the year. Yeah, yeah I don't... I don't think at the moment our secondary is playing well enough to no. uh, confidently want to send more secondary blitzes. But even we're not even getting the we're not our linebackers aren't even achieving defending the the runners in the flat. So, <clears throat> well, let's go into some JC Jackson chat then. If we're going to talk about defenders, defenders. Well, yeah. So he got tar- targeted nine times, five catches. 112 passer rating when targeted, including a touchdown to Amari Cooper. You worried yet, Jack? <laughs> per PFF, he's the 100th out of 104 cornerbacks with uh, with enough Ooh. snaps to, to be ranked. Oh, listen, you and I had a bit of repartee earlier today. Um, I was fishing a bit. No, I'm not concerned. Uh, I want you to the- fight. 
<laughs> the um, listen, everyone's going to talk about the, and everyone has been talking about how badly Amari Cooper burned him for that touchdown. But listen, Amari Cooper's a very good player, and you're not going to win every single um, every single battle. And some of those are going to good stick route too. Dogs balls. Oh yeah, insane. Well thrown too. So um, you know, at least we didn't see him get beat over the top again, which is some, which is one of my teachable moments from um, from last week. Don't get beat up, beaten over the top. He's still coming back from an injury, um, but the numbers are damning, and it's a bit. Listen, I'm not super worried, but there's there's some doubt there in my mind yeah. now, and it's up to him to prove it wrong. And I have no doubt that he's got it. He's a dog. He's going to be really upset at himself. Um, you know, we talk about these players, and we a lot of people criticise them, and how oh they must not care, they must not be working hard. These guys know exactly what happens. You know, he's probably. Close to doing a, uh, a KJ Hamler and grabbing the bloody helmet, smash it on the ground when he gets beaten by Amari Cooper like that. It's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah um, sure. So, no, I, I'm not. It's just unfortunate that he had that surgery um, because we really mm. could use him playing at a high level. And one myth I want to dispel, there, there's a growing chorus of uh, Twitter experts saying that, oh, well, you know, JC Jackson's a man cover corner and Belichick ran a lot of man and Staley doesn't know what he's doing. He's using him in zone off coverage. PFF had JC Jackson graded as one of the highest zone corners in the NFL last year. Yes, he's good in man because he's rangy and he's strong, but he's also perfectly adept in zone. He's had 25 interceptions and it's not like Staley is exclusively playing him in off coverage. So let's just, I don't know, give him some time, but not off to a great start. I I agree. (laughs) Yeah, well, look, he's an obvious target for the keyboard warriors. He's an obvious topic for us because money and he's underperforming but getting better it's just a hope that it's maybe next week he'll hit his straps maybe next week he'll feel uninhibited by his foot um it's just it's gonna happen it'll happen when it happens if it gets to the end of the year and he's still garbage then maybe we'll change our tone yeah look if it gets to week 12 and he's still in that hundred well you know one percentile of uh, that PFF ranking, then perhaps. Yeah, I'm cancelling my shipping order for the JC Jackson uh, Guernsey if, if we get to week <laughs> ten, and we're still seeing more of that. <laughs> All it'll take is a couple of and and you can see it. And if you watch closely, he's very close on some. He's mm. he's reading the route properly, and it just seems he's that step too slow. And you can put that down to the injury, but he's there. And it's just starting to happen. New scheme, new system as well. So yep. stick with him, guys. Like, don't be too harsh. Um, yeah. I'm always fairly positive, and I might get criticised for that, but that's fine. He's a player. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, don't feel like we've been sold down the river by Belichick by getting by getting rid of a bad quarterback from the Patriots. Um, you're right, Alistair. He was one. Of, he was graded one of the best zone coverage quarterbacks. He'll be fine. He will be fine. And to be honest, uh, ASJ and Callahan are doing a very sneaky, quiet job. Doing a really good job too. So, good cornerback room. Absolutely. Uh, And we've always got Derwin James in the secondary as well. Exactly. It's always nice to... Hey, Andy, um, Mm. do we let Hopkins back in the building? Or do we keep Bertolet? What did he make? A 43 and a 30-something? I think they were even more closer. Mate, if he was booming 55s, then I might consider answering, answering your question seriously. But that's not to say that uh, Hopkins would come in and boom him from 55 because he's a damn liability beyond 49. Uh, he look, got a game ball. Bertolette got a game ball. 
Hopkins and a little tag too. Ball. Look at him. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. a bit of Andy Prophet about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's me. Ah, <laughs> uh, golly. Um, I'm more like Dustin Hopkins with just the shocking injuries and, and body and at least I don't have red hair, I guess. Uh, look, no, I think, hope, well, look, I'd like to see him go again next week if uh, Hopkins isn't right and test him out. I mean, we never, look, we don't really go for the long field goals because we haven't felt the trust mm. in our kicker and we back our offense on fourth and Staley's. So, no, I don't think we let him be, yeah, that's let, him back. Don't um, let him back in the building. I was going to say, um, I'll direct this one to you, Alistair. Can we have a plenary yes. on Justin Herbert's performance? Um, not, a, not a great QBR. Um, I thought he was fairly efficient with what he needed to do. Again, he played to the scheme, in my mind, really well. Um, yep. what, what, what do we think? My live watch is different to my rewatch on the coach's film. So initially I thought he was, uh, maybe he played an average Herbert game. And I thought I missed missed a few opportunities. Didn't seem to make too many big plays and uh, room for improvement. But then on the rewatch on the coaches' film, I thought mostly he did his job. He got it out quickly, identified where pressure was coming from, avoids pressure so well. Just a couple of things to continue to work on, though. In a, in the red area, we are struggling as a football team at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I had the stats. Uh, I'll find it eventually, but it's not. We going don't have too the well. separation magician. That yeah that is you know he's a big guy exactly to take a body. But we did most miss an opportunity, so I found it now. We're eleven touchdowns from twenty-one attempts in the red zone, which is fifty-two point four percent, ranked twenty-second in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a missed opportunity to hit McKitty in the end zone that looked like just a miss throw from Herbert. And even, I'm sure we'll break this down soon, listeners. Don't worry, we're getting to the fourth down. I've got a bit of a role play plan for that. But but Herbert, on that fourth down play, he did something that looked very close to forcing a ball. Um, I'm not sure if Rivers in his prime does that. If there's multiple progressions on that play, that was a straight there and Mike's not open and he's just thrown it into... Emerson. So a couple yeah. things to work on. Not the best Herbert game, but you know what? Didn't turn the ball over. Big part of winning it. Yeah. Didn't turn the ball but, but, over. Looked confident. And um, there was. there's always those moments of brilliance. And that one where he fakes out, was it Clowney or Garrett to jump in the air? Oh, goes, how boop. good was that? How just good goes, was that? And you go, that's just Justin Herbert doing Justin Herbert things. Uh, but that was incredible. And some of the the calmness to get it off to screens to Kelly and Eckler when you've yeah. got huge men coming at you with broken rib cage. Yeah. And he scrambled. Fantastic. That makes you think he maybe he's feeling a bit better. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Not not a, not an incredible game, but you know, if that's if that's the if that's the baseline Justin Herbert we get for mm. a quiet, not a very good game, then hey, serve him up. I'll eat it all day. Really sure. weird, weird stat. It was the lowest average depth of target for the season, five point five, and go. that's and zero big time throws for I Herbert. I saw that Herbert zero Herbert. big time. Yet we feel like the offense did fa- fantastically. So if you're one of those people who screams about average depth of target, like has anyone checked to see if your your Mannings or Brady's when they're the best in the league actually have a high average depth of target? Does that mean you're good if you push the ball down the field all the time? It's one way to play the game. This week, we were really low on our A dot, but probably had our best defensive performance of the year. Agreed. So let's focus on that stuff. Tend to look more at things like completions 
uh, as an efficiency based mm. metric. Uh, one thing I want to touch on before you get into your little role play, Al, um, Donald Parham returned. Jack, I'll throw this to you, but I'll, I'll get there. He, he cut a bit into the playing time of Gerald Everett. Interesting snap uh, stat. The Chargers used more two tight end sets, running a season high 20 uh, in 12 personnel compared to a season low 39 snaps from 11 personnel. Mm. Obviously, he was eased into action. Um, and the three tight ends combined one catch, five yards. What do you see with Jack relative to that the sort of different personnel and an increase as Parham gets back into things? What do you see for the snaps of Gerald Everett and Trey McKitty and their uh, presence in the passing game? Oh, listen, I think McKitty will slowly eke out to the third, maybe even to the fourth and, and, and not see much at all. Um, unfortunately, he's sort of not developing in the way that you'd hope. I think the, I mean, listen, it, it wasn't a huge day for the tight ends, but we have talked about how productive Gerald Everett has been. He did drop one. It was a pretty tough catch. Uh, so I'm not going to put that on him. I don't he's even been, think it got counted as a drop. I think it was yeah, a PB I mean, or something. People yeah. saw it hit his hand, so it's a drop. And I went, oh, that's a, that's, that was a tough one. Yeah. Um, and, and as he I was think dirty I, about I looked, it as well, big ground. He was, slap. yeah. Um, like and some people actually. have also said, "Oh, we're not targeting him in the red zone after that mistake against Kansas City as well." I'd, I'd hope that we don't hold grudges, and our coaches don't hold grudges like that because that's just silly. Um, but yeah, I think the the lack of production we saw from the tight ends um, equated to the production on the ground and the fact that we were able to get the ball out really quickly from from Justin. Um, so I'm not too concerned about the lack of, um, I guess, involvement from Parham. He's coming back off a pretty serious injury. No, no, and, no, not the um, lack of involvement, but what his increased uh, snap camp will do to the others, um, to Gerald Everett in particular. Oh, I, I think Gerald Everett will. I mean, he doesn't, Gerald Everett doesn't get a huge amount of snaps. Uh, well, he does actually, I shouldn't say that, he does. Oh, I don't think it'll affect it too much. I think Parham's a red zone weapon, a situational weapon as well. Yep. Um, I think keep, and you put Keenan back, you put Michael Bandy, hopefully he gets another run. Um, you get these receiving weapons. Um, Parham's good for maybe three catches a game, if two, and a touchdown. Whereas Everett, I think, will be up in that maybe seven to eight targets and maybe five catches a game. So, yeah, I, I think the only person that's going to affect is, uh, is our friend Trey. Right on. Well answered. All right, Al. What have you got for us? Yeah, all right. Let's do a bit of a role play here. Uh, for the listeners, my dad is a professor of statistics at a, at a university and teaches the, an MBA course. So he teaches execs of big companies how to use data to make decisions. And one of the key things he's always teaching his class is that humans were affected by negativity bias. It's hardwired into our evolution. And what it means <laughs> is... Chargers fans as well. <laughs> oh, Yeah. It means we feel pain and we losses hurt us more than we enjoy wins and victories. And evolutionary speaking, it's actually quite important because uh, we're mortal. You make one mistake, you die out in the savannah, you lose a leg. We need to be attuned to being particularly alert and attentive to loss. And that feeds into how we view games like this. And it actually warps our perception of moments because we worry about the failure more than we sit and rationalize objectively about what we should do. So here's the role play. I'm going to pretend I'm the Chargers analytics person speaking into the ear of Coach Staley during a timeout here. 
And I want one of you to, I don't care who, who chooses to be Coach Staley to make this decision. Who wants to do it? Jack, you can go. Okay, I'll go. All right, here we go. Come okay, on, guys. You, you call your timeout, Jack. Ah, okay, got t- timeout, timeout, guys, guys, guys. Timeout, 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 guys. Okay, coach, coach, I'm just running the numbers. We've got a fourth and one at the charges 46. I'm just running the model. Okay, it's saying this is a clear go for its situation. It's saying if you go for this, it's an 88% win probability. If you punt, that drops to 76% win probability. The model's saying at the moment that you're a 70% chance of getting this fourth and a long one. It's actually saying if you go for it and fail, that your win percentage is still 60%. So that's the numbers. We've got a clear go for it. But coach, I'll tell you a few soft factors because we've got to go through the decision tree. Here's why you might want to go for it. If you convert now, game's over. It means instant win. One down in the hands of your quarterback, instant win. If you fail to convert, doesn't mean the game is over. Your defense can still bail you out. The field goal kicker's already missed a field goal. Uh, also, if you punt, there's a risk of a blocked punt. You could have a shanked punt. J.K. Scott shanked one earlier in the game, or they could have a decent punt return. Um, it's no given that you pin them deep. Also, NFL rules at the moment, slanted in favor of offenses, makes it harder to stop a field goal march. They're moving the ball effectively on your defense. They're a bit tired. No Joey Boza. Uh, coach, here are a few reasons why you shouldn't go for it. You attempted a fourth and two earlier today. You failed. Uh, you're actually one and four on fourth down attempts this season uh, on two or more yards. Keenan's not playing uh, on the offense. You've got less options to throw to. The Browns have Jacoby Brissett as quarterback. That's not Mahomes or Josh Allen. Uh, they're going to have to march the whole field uh, with no timeouts. And Brissett just threw a pick. Uh, also, coach, just be careful about recency bias. You know, I've just said all the reasons why you shouldn't go for it most recently, so you're probably focusing on those. Uh, that's all of your information. What would you like to do, coach? <laughs> well, I think the uh, we've got a delay of game. <laughs> yeah, please, that so, is a minute and a half. Delay of so game. Just, so it's now just become fourth and six or seven, uh, which therefore I am punting. So if you wouldn't punting. mind, can we get all the numbers back, please? <laughs> yeah. What's the probability on fourth and six from the? Oh, listen, geez. I we've can I okay the role plays. Uh, listen, I still wouldn't go for it personally. I, I yep. wouldn't. The the game script just didn't feel. Like the gut feeling, people say you should trust your gut feeling or you should not trust your gut feeling. And there's negativity bias, how we're hardwired through evolution and things like that. I uh, I, I commented on your post, Alistair, on Twitter, um, for those who read, as I said, even even if we made it, I still would be feeling a little sick in the stomach. Uh, and yes, you can add all the things, all the, the, the heart-crushing losses that we've had in the past and all the mistakes and things. Um, from a macro perspective, I agree with it because he's following his philosophy. He's trusting the best player on the field that he has, which is Justin Herbert. Yep. He's trusting in Lombardi to make the right play call. Mm. You throw it to your best receiver. The receiver has a rookie uh, cornerback on him. It looks pretty good. The throw's not great. The separation's not there. You didn't get it. But what what plagues me is that your defense has been kind of being abused all day, all day, all day. And you've got this guy called Aloe Gilman who's been shocking realistically all day, making this incredible pick. So you've you've you burst the damn wall there. Good. You've you've finally got it. You've got the key play. To put to then go back and ask your defense to make the key play again when all day they've been being abused 
I don't know. But aren't you asking them to make the key play by punting? What do you mean? Well, you're putting it on the defense to win the game if you punt there. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Because you're going to punt and then of your offenses. Yeah, but you're also you but you're also they're not in field goal range. Yep, and this is, and this and this is the and he the the um what's his name? Not Dwight York. He's a soccer player. What's his name? Cade, Cade York. Cade, Cade York Dwight also York. nailed it from fifty three or fifty four like mm. a couple of weeks mm. before. Mm. So it was not necessarily... Yes, he shanked the first one. I don't know. It just didn't. I went through like this high of like, oh my god, we're we're gonna win, and then it's like, yeah. oh, I, I think that I think the last thing the last thing on my notes and the last thing is, oh my god, dot ellipses mm. dot dot dot. Uh, it hasn't didn't come back to bite Brandon Staley this time. Ooh. People will go yes and no. People are going to be questioning him. The tweet from Keenan Allen is a bit weird. Yeah, but he's an emotional player. At least he's invested. At least he's sitting there actually doing something. So no, I still wouldn't go for it. Um, okay, but. We won. Say la vie. For what it's worth, I wouldn't have gone for it either. But the point of that exercise, listeners, I hope it shows that because it really was analytically, it was a go for it situation. I hope that exercise showed that maybe it's not an an egregious decision. You can at least see the thinking behind two yards is all we need. Trust Justin Herbert. Here are the reasons why. Let's go. And I don't need to agree with Staley but I can at least understand why he's adopted that approach. I'd like to see more consistency, though. This year, he seems to be a bit all over the shop, right? Against Kansas City, where were the fourth down attempts when we could have done it? But, uh, yeah, that was a fun little game. That was good. Nice one. Shall we move on to the Broncos, or have we got... Yeah. Oh, let's actually... Or we've got we've some got yeah Jack, nahs, nah, yes. Done, yes, yeah, we got a bit of that, yeah. Jack's, Jack's sort of given a bit of his teachable moment, improving on the don't get beaten over the top. I'll do the Nah Yeah Award for the play of the day. Well, I'm going to just go the player of the day. Mm. Austin Eckler this week for mine. What a superstar. We needed a counter to Chubb and Hunt. And I was concerned that the way he's been going this year, the way he's been complimented, the way our other running backs have been used, we might fall short. He delivered. We outran the Browns. Sensational. So, Nah Yeah, pretty damn good, Austin Eckler. Well done, dude. Agree. Agree. And for the Yeah Nah Award, uh, Yeah Nah, after all just that little exercise, I'm still giving the Yeah Nah to Staley going for it on the fourth and long one. And But I, I don't mean like a Yeah Nah, that's the worst thing of the game. I just mean the way I reacted in that moment was clearly for me worse, felt the worst of the whole game. Because it felt like, oh my God, it, it, it was my negativity bias setting. I was like, we're up by two points. Yeah Nah. <laughs> nah, don't do this. I, and just yeah. my heart rate immediately goes up to 200 and you sit there just praying desperately that you don't lose the game. And we best mention Asante Samuel Jr., you little bloody champion. You got targeted deep and all year, all career so far, you give away PI there because you get grabby and don't turn around your head. He turned around his head. He just did enough. So the ref kept his bloody hanky in his pocket. That would have been game over. Well done, Asante. But yeah, nah, Brandon Staley. I have one teachable moment uh, that we haven't even talked about or no one's even alluded to. First quarter, we're down 14-0. The camera cuts to Brandon Staley. For our listeners, what I'm doing here is this is what he likes to do. He likes to sit there. Uh, for our listeners, what I'm doing is I'm grabbing my notebook and putting up against my face. He's quite 
tight. He feels, he looks very tight. He's walking around very tight and he's covering his mouth, which is fine. That's, that's all right. But I wonder that it's, he seems to be quite different on the sideline than he was last year. Last year, he was up and about going, yeah, come on, high-fiving, doing this, doing this. When I look at him down 14-0, he didn't give me the biggest um, uh, feeling of confidence. So my teachable moment for Brandon is I'd love to see you just relax a bit more, man. Just just chill out. I'd love to see a bit more of that hoorah. And perhaps he is doing it. We just don't see it. And and what we do get is, you know, after we're down 14 Nothing. He's there going, oh, what's the coach doing? And of course, he's going to look distressed because he's going, well, what the fuck do I do? But come on, Brandon, let's let's loosen up a bit. I'd love to see it. You've got it. Be confident. Um, you know, let's see some of that sideline confidence back. Dude, That's if I drank 10 coffees per day, I'd be fucking wired as well. The guy, every time he's at a conference, he's holding a venti. He's worse than Dan Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> so lead from the front, Brandon. I think you can do that. You're a wonderful leader and a wonderful speaker. But yeah, that's that's something that stuck out to me. Yep. Nice. Cool. Just keep up the positivity. I like it. All right. Let's move on to the week six matchup with the Denver Broncos. Chargers injury news coming out. Keenan Allen still appears to be day-to-day. He was at practice today, yesterday, our time, doing individuals. It's good to see him. I think he was doing some sprint work as well. So fingers crossed it's all positive that comes out of that. Probably don't expect him to suit up this week. But who knows? Could happen. Um, Trey Pipkins sprained his MCL, the medial ligament in your knee. Uh, He sat out a few snaps, returned like a warrior that I never expected to see, which was great. Uh, he will. He rested today and or yesterday and today, and he will practice later in the week to suit up. Not too much else. Everything else seems to be trending well. Um, look, I actually really enjoyed to see a little bit of uh, smugness out of Brandon Staley in his press conference. A little bit of cheek. So maybe the timing of your snapshot of him looking concerned was because they were up at four. Uh, they were down or the Chargers were down 14 points. And mm. I'm not going to, not going to lie to you. I ain't high five and shit when I'm down two <laughs> touchdowns, I'm going, what's going on here and what, how can I fix it now? So at least he's a man at work. At least he doesn't have his head up in the air. At least he's not scratching his head or looking like he doesn't have a possible answer. Mm. Um, and they came back and won. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's working, man. Let him cook. Uh, good chat from Derwin James, respecting the the Broncos, Russell Wilson. Interesting. I don't want to delve too much into Broncos presses, but golly. Nathaniel Hackett just, I don't know. Doesn't seem like he suits a head coaching role. Morning, y'all. Oh, from the south, are you, bro? Cool. Yeah, born in uh, California. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, South <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, unless there's anything from you two on anything that's come this week from the Chargers, Jack, we might go into the Broncos' recent matchup in the most boring game of oh, Thursday God. night football history. Yeah. Holy what? smokes. That was vomitous. Dog's breakfast, everything you can think about. That's actually sh- having shitty undies. That's That's how bad it was. Um, I think Stefan Gilmore, who had a great game, by the way, um, I think he remarked that it was a it was a slog of a game. That was verbatim. Um, the game featured seven field goals, a dozen punts. 
25 third down stops, four interceptions, and six fumbles, none of which were recovered by an otherwise disruptive defenses. So hell of a game. Um, the Broncos tried to uh, – oh, no, the Broncos decided against a tying chip shot field goal by Brandon McManus um, or even a first down play on fourth and less and a yard from the five and Wilson lined up in the shotgun next to running back Melvin Gordon then threw incomplete over the middle. I think the biggest one was – I alluded to it before – was KJ Hamler who was wide open for the uh, for a play to win who tore off his helmet and slammed it on the ground after Wilson's final optic. pass Great was batted Love away. It. More of no, it. it was it was good to see. Um, Dalton Risner said that there's going to be a bunch of what ifs. You know what? If we score that touchdown, everyone thinks it's the best call in the world. Um, Wilson was sacked four times, picked off twice. His four TD throws through five games this year marks the worst start of his 11 year career, and hasn't looked anything like the Broncos expect him after giving to him almost a quarter of a billion dollars. Danger witch. Danger Mr. Limited. Witch. Mr. Limited. Um, got to be limited, guys. Russell Wilson went on to say that it's very simple. At the end of the day, I got to be better. I got to play better. I led the team down to not one thing I know about myself. I'm going to respond. Hey, Broncos country, let ride. <laughs> is, there, is there something wrong with the man's brain? Like his grey matter? <laughs> He's, he's actually ended a losing press conference when he's just ruined the game for everyone with Broncos country, let's ride. And he's walked away from the microphone. Yeah, like he was being asked to leave. And he's like, uh, bye. Not well. <laughs> that's, that's not normal. This guy? Uh, uh, just, to, just to finish off that game, um, you know, Stefan Gilmore. That's uh, not Stefan. Uh, yeah, Stefan Gilmore played great, but we're not playing Indiana. We've already played them. No, we haven't. Uh, the Broncos just lost, they lost two starting defenders okay. before half time. Josie Jewell and Ronald Darby. Uh, Dremont Jones and Baron Browning also got injured. And Garrett Bowles, the, uh, the tackle, um, broke his leg and he's out for the year. So that was a decimating game for the Broncos, not only losing, but also they've got injuries to boot. Mm. Including Russell, I've got to say. Apparently he's got a strained Latissimus Dorsey. Talk to us, subways, that's why. On his um, throwing shoulder. Yeah. Uh, who knows what the severity of it is. Uh, apparently the Broncos are going to do everything they can to make mm. him right, but it doesn't sound like he's right and he hasn't been right before he did the injury. So uh, no. I guess that's sort of promising. But look, at the end of the day, we've just got to go out and execute and, and win it. And they um, might get back from IR, Justin Simmons this week, yeah. Greg yeah. Dulcich, and yep. Michael Ojemudia, the corner. Yep. So Simmons is the annoying one. He really makes yeah. them run. It's not like the defense needs more help, as we'll get to in a sec. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. All right. Al, if you've done with that, Jack, Al, let's go on to the Broncos' strengths and the potential threats for the Chargers. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Their defense. The defense is fourth in points allowed, first in pass yards allowed, 15th at rush yards. So middling, everything else, damn good. I challenged Chubb and Randy Gregory to lift during our opponent series. Well, Chubb's had five and a half sacks. Randy Gregory's had two, but he's applying a lot of pressure. They've really answered the call. And DJ Jones, their pickup from San Francisco's looks really good too. Um, they're applying a hell of a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. Fourth most sacks. And then on the back end, my God, Patrick Satan is already looking like a top five NFL cornerback. 
In his second year, he's allowing only 4.7 net yards per attempt, which is again in the top five. So we're going to have our hands full with our Broncos defense. It might no longer be Fangio, but it's the same scheme. It's another one of his pupils in a, a Giro Avero. Let's see how Lombardi goes this week. He's just had two good games against, you know, Houston, Cleveland. This is the real test. It's going to be our offense against their defense. That's the Broncos' strength. Any other strengths, Jack? Oh, I just I was having a look at the tape, and Alex Singleton's having a pretty decent year as well at the middle linebacker um, spot or right inside linebacker. And you said that um, uh, Justin Simmons is not playing, but um, Stearns is also having a great oh, yeah. year as well. He's come yeah, out he's of nowhere. Um, so, but so yeah, they just every every defensive player that goes to Denver just all of them are just good. comes a yeah. jet. It's insane. So and linebacker's yeah. not their strength, Jack, as you said, but they're good players at linebacker. All of them. Browning, Jewel, yeah. etc. They're good. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be tough. And if if as you said, if those three come back. Um is Randy Gregory playing or is he out? I did not see that. I think he's I playing. Haven't, I haven't seen an updated uh injury report, but I believe he's playing. Okay, because it doesn't look like Barrett, uh, uh, whatever his name, Baron Browning will play. I didn't yeah. think he sort of looked like he broke his or he did something to his wrist. Um, but That's it's handy. bizarre because I'm just looking too, at yeah. lineups and Randy Gregory's not in them. So, okay, um, we'll have yeah, to monitor anyway. what yeah. practice was or just in in general for the game. It's early days. There's so much changes between a Wednesday and Friday, which is or Sunday, which is crazy to see how quickly they can turn around. Um, yeah, Randy Gregory's on injured reserve. Okay, oh. yeah, from one happened? week ago. Yeah, along with Javante Williams and um, Latavius Murray. Oh, no, sorry. They signed Latavius Murray. They signed Latavius. Yeah, yeah. Javante's yeah, yeah. a big one too. Yeah, Javante's yeah. a big loss. Yeah, yeah well, Randy, Randy Gregory out is uh, very handy. Very handy. Because they've been, they've been doing well to get to the quarterback. I think Matt Ryan got sacked like eight times or something on the weekend. Something nasty. and um, Chubb's a freak. Yeah, six, six sacks already for, for Bradley. Crazy. What do they get? Uh, Baron Browning actually is massive out, 10 total pressures. And they had 34 total pressures and 21 hurries against the uh, the Colts. Their O-line's looking like a disaster. Uh, any more real strengths? I was sort of aligned with that completely, that their defense everywhere is just problematic and going to be a big test for um, Joe I the Chargers offense. I really worry that I really worry that Russell Wilson's going to have a good game against us. Mm. I have this sick, sick feeling that he's going to come out and say, you. "Hey, I'm actually not that bad," and throw five touchdowns against us or something. <laughs> I have this sick, sick feeling, and it's going to and there's going to be egg on our faces for <laughs> making fun of him, and he's going to be in SoFi Stadium at a press conference and just walk up and go, "Hey, Broncos, let's ride," <laughs> and everyone will love him again. I hope. I hope it doesn't happen, but I'm really worried. You know, well, if we have no more of those, I'm going to jump onto the the Broncos' weaknesses. And I'm going to go right against you, Jack, because the way I'm looking at it is our defense is due. We're really due. We're we're forcing fumbles. We're not recovering them. They've got Melvin Gordon. Bloke coughs up the football more than a baby burps milk. And no Garrett Bowles. Russell Wilson doesn't look comfortable. He's injured. He doesn't look comfortable in this offense. This disharmony between him and his receivers. So we're going to have a day. We're going to sack him. I'm, I'm strip sack him. That, that kind of stuff. 
I want to see Staley back in more blitzing, more pressure, back mm. in the, the, the defensive backs. Jack, what about you? What do you see as an opportunity for the Chargers to take advantage of? Oh, just attack the defense, their offensive line, I should say. They're, they're very, very thin. Uh, Anderson at left tackle and Fleming will be playing at right tackle. Um, Fleming hasn't been in, playing too bad this year. Yeah, I, but I, I just I, I don't think they're going to be. Yeah, you're right. Is I don't know. Like, do you do you get do you get do you let Russell Wilson scramble where he's mm. that's where he's best? Some might argue, or do you just keep him in the pocket to to to, to make him throw the stock standard throws, which he hasn't been performing no. particularly well at. So, what do you reckon? I mean, my I, for me, I, I don't reckon blitz at all. I think just. Let him sit there, feel the pressure, feel the pressure, feel the pressure. Don't let him run around and create plays because I mean that that's that's where he makes his jam. Well, this year is converting sacks into pressures. In PFF's pressures opinion, nine sacks. sorry pressures into sacks. Thank you. Um, nine of the sacks they've, they've put down on the line on the offensive line, whereas the other seven, I think they've had sixteen in total, are all on Russell Wilson, either on block right. or holding the ball or scrambling around. And you're right, Jack. Maybe we play coverage on the back end and don't send too many blitzes. Because he can scramble off if you send the extra blitzer and he sees you're in man coverage or he just takes off and you're like, oh, great. He's just run 20 yards on us with his legs. Mm. Could happen. But I don't want to give him the opportunity of executing the simple stuff that he hasn't been doing. So I see arguments for and against. I don't want to make anything easy for him if I'm Brandon Saley. Nope. Keep mixing it up. Another real weakness of theirs is their red zone offense. They're 32nd in the league, going at 21% success when they're down there. Hopefully that continues. I'm worried that's a bit of a timing in the offense, getting used to the scheme thing, and it could just flick, you know, one week. Um, But Russell Wilson's missing a lot of open throws. I'm going to post something for the YouTube listeners. Kurt Warner does a really good breakdown of Russell Wilson in the game against the Colts. There are schemed players opening, and he's just not looking there. And, um, the, you know, the, the missed throw to Hamler is a fantastic example. He's open. That's where the ball's directed to go. He gets the rub, open immediately on the slant, doesn't throw it. Maybe it's something about throwing slants near the goal line. Russell Wilson's still <laughs> traumatized. Who knows? Uh, never, Who knows? Never came back from that. Hmm. Cool. All right. Likely game plan. What do you think Staley's going to do, Jack? Yeah, I, just more of the same of what I said before, I guess. Um, I would like to think to keep him in. Turning him in the pocket or uh, turning pressures into sacks, attack their left side of their line, attack also in the middle. Uh, you know, I'm looking for a big game from SJD, looking for a big game from uh, Austin Johnson, looking for mm. a big game from Khalil Mack. Uh, who takes Cortland Sutton? Because he's, he's kind of one of those tweeners. Uh, he's, you know, built like a tight end, but he's... Got to um, be money. It's JC Jackson yeah. time. This is your game. He's been so has good, be. Sutton. Come on, man. This is a key to victory. Blanket to him. Blanket him. He's big and strong. He's not fast, really. This is your chance. This is it. This is it. So let's go. And Jerry Judy, you know, has, he has speed, but he hasn't been playing particularly well. No. Um, offensively, you know, let's not target Patrick Sertan. Let's not <laughs> throw it deep over the middle. Um, let's, let's economize the running game again. Let's go. Yep. Let's get Eckler and Kelly involved. Must um, do it. Short little dump offs. Let's go. Yep. So much, so much talk this week about not wanting to just be known as a passing offense and the importance of balancing the offense. And it will continue to grow when you can have a defense that is needing to prepare for your running game because of how well you commit to it and how well you scheme it. Um, 
yeah, it's just going to make life so much easier for Justin Herbert and hopefully, you know, more more of a complementary kind of run to pass ratio than <clears throat> being too outweighed. Uh, will make life so so much easier when Ken, the likes of Keenan Allen returns. Uh, for mine, uh, look, I, I I do disagree with you guys about how we, you know, lock down Wilson or force Wilson into errors. Mm-hmm. But big one for me was just the make sure we commit to the run game. Um, it, it worked out beautifully last week, and I think it's just going to get better and better. Absolute key to victory and also attack their rookie corner, Damari Mathis, because Ronald Darby's out. So yeah. this is, I'm looking at Josh Palmer or DeAndre Carter to pick up the slack. Whoever Mike Williams is going to have his hands full on Patrick Satan. They might have blanket coverage. If we can run the ball even close to how he did against Cleveland and have a second receiver come up, that's going to be a key to victory. Before I forget, we actually got a request from Kev um, who really wanted to hear us talk about this Russell Wilson contract. And we're only five weeks in, but Kev had basically said, look, what are your thoughts, guys, on the Russell Wilson extension? The Broncos have given him a five-year extension to his already two-year deal for 250 mil. Basically, they can't get out of that deal until the end of 2026, when he'll be 38 years old. Because they're signed through to the end of 2028, and like the cap hits are just, they're still there for the next four years after this year. Jack, do you think the Broncos have gone for glory? They gave a long-term deal to Wilson instead of going the draft route. Have they cooked it? No, I don't think they have. It pains me to say it. I mean, Russell Wilson, for his whole career since 2012, has been an elite quarterback. Naturally, changing teams, changing schemes, uh, I think there was always going to be something to go to, to go awry. No, I don't think they have. I think he'll still... He will still finish this year with some elite games. Um, mm. No, I don't think they have. They'll be fine. Uh, I, it pains me to say. I don't think he's going to be Russell Wilson maybe of three to four years ago when he's, what's he, you know, he's had his last, per PFF, his last, since 2018, 88.9, 91.9, 91.9, 90.5, and then 2021 was 73.9. So you could say that there's a bit of a regression occurring, but it's natural in a, in a long career. Um, to have perhaps a year like this, and and I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the year if he plays if he doesn't get too hurt um, that he finishes in, in, above average. No, do you, do you have something to add on that, Andy? Your perspective? Yeah, I think one thing you're leaving out you're resting a lot of this win in the trade and the deal on Russell Wilson's success and returning to some kind of form once he gets over growing pains. What you're missing is what they gave up in the deal in terms of future picks and the cap hit that is just going to continue for the next six to seven years. Have they cooked it? Well, you'd need to see a ring or two, wouldn't you? You'd mm-hmm. need to see a Lombardi or two when you're paying a guy a quarter of the billy. Um you, you need to, and they're going to have they're going to have defensive players, defensive stars that they're going to need to pay. Mm. I think you're, yeah, I think you're just selling it a little little short. I don't know if they've cooked it, but uh, it's not something that I would have t- like gone near. I yeah, know, I think they're lazy. They do this a lot with um, with quarterbacks, Peyton Manning. That worked. They they didn't yeah, pay him as though. yeah. 
Well, he's a different person. He's a different personality as well. I don't think Russell Wilson's particularly well liked as a guy to mm. go and play with. If you Shock get what I'm horror. saying, you know, like great guy. twat. Brady's one of those guys. Uh, Peyton Manning was one of those guys. You know, people aren't going to be going. You know what? I'll but take on a the field. Cheap yeah, I mean, deal. Yeah, Kyle Brandt made an amazing point. Kyle Brandt's point was sensational in that blow up, which was oh, delightful on Good Morning Football, where he said, "You've either got to be." An awesome guy in the locker room and decent on the field, or you've got to be absolutely exceptional on the field. And if he's not the, the former, then he's got to get back to as good as he was because KJ Hamlet dummy spit looked awful. Yeah, I would be really packing my Dax as a Chargers fan if I saw DeAndre Carter spit the dummy like that. Only two catches for nine yards. He saw a reduction in playing time on the weekend. But I don't know. You talk about coaches losing the locker room. Maybe the, I think the quarterback's already lost his locker room. And that's yeah. um, it's a bad place to be for the next seven years. All I'll say, Kev, for my perspective is the draft is a bit of a crapshoot. And you can get stuck into the thinking because I know, Kev, you were saying you know, you've, the only way to compete with Herbert and uh, Mahomes is to find your own young guy on a cheap rookie deal and then build around him. Well, a lot of teams have tried to do that and you end up stuck like the Browns or the Jets. Drafting high, you miss. You draft high, you miss. There is this Rams approach where you give away the picks and you get a known commodity. The question is, will a short, aging Russell Wilson age gracefully? When we know it, he's not great at throwing the ball over the middle because he can't see or reach over those linemen. He likes to attack deep and scramble around. Is a player like that going to age gracefully when he's only already 34? That's the big question mark. Certainly hope they've cooked it. Hate their guts. Mm, and he's also got injury history too. Mm. Uh, especially it seems to be getting worse uh, as he gets older. Before we round out the show, um, I've just got something that I need to get off my chest and it's not about the Chargers or anything. It's just, a, well, it actually happened in the Chargers game but also happened in the Tampa Bay game. That roughing the passer oh. against Jacoby Brissett <laughs> was one of the most disgraceful things I can remember seeing on an NFL pitch. Now, we see this kind of stuff a little bit differently in Australia. If that occurred where SJD walks up to him and just taps him and he goes, oh, and falls over... He, Brissett would be being roasted by not only the commentators, but by also the fans. And if anything, he might get fined or possibly suspended for what we call in our AFL game staging. I thought it's cheating. I thought it was cowardly. And it just goes to show that that's the Browns. That's the Browns, aren't they? You know, you go and hire, uh, you go and sign Deshaun Watson and then you're cheating on the field. I thought that was disgraceful. Also, Grady Jarrett, I love you. That tackle on Tom Brady should not have been roughing the passer. That's almost worse than the bloody tuck rule. Oh, how about NFL? the one on Derek Carr? How about the oh, one on Derek Carr with Chris out. Jones where he's Oh, the Chris Jones one. The- <laughs> NFL, get your head out of your ass and start doing this properly. This is ridiculous because defenders should get to the quarterback. They should be able to tackle him and it's not roughing the passer. I know that we're all worried about Tua Tungavailoa's head injury. I know that. But come on, get it right. Far out. That's it. That's almost more of a mismanagement on the medical thing, the tour stuff. But exactly. The, and if the officiators cannot change the way that they do this be, because of potentially preventing this sort of those sort of injuries, they're soft yeah. as butter. 
And what the, great, and what's going to happen stance. is that quarterbacks are going to they're going to flop and fling yeah. themselves. Like, oh, you, what, you know, you get it's what pathetic. You get in the, um, in the soccer, just yeah, all it's this pathetic. diving or, or in the, the AFL. Well, yeah, it's yeah. pathetic. If you incentivize that behavior, people will take it. Yeah, mm. pathetic. Get it out of the game, guys. Absolutely. All right. What do you reckon is going to happen on Monday Night Football, Al? Broncos 21, Chargers 17. No. I've gone to Broncos <laughs> win. And, uh, yeah, I've just got a bad feeling about this one. I think we're going to be 3-3 three and three heading into Seattle. All right. Um, I did consider that. I toyed with it. But, no. Uh, Chargers 20, Broncos 10. Um, I think we're going to get it done. And I don't see too much exciting things happening for this Denver offense. Jack? I'm going Chargers 31. Oh, I'm going to say that uh, the Broncos kick four field goals and have one touchdown. So what's that? 3, 6, 9, 12. 19. Plus 7. What's that? 19. So it's 19 to 31. You're a teacher, aren't you? Uh, not a math teacher, mate. <laughs> I was about to get the challenge flag out and then realize it's a score prediction. You can't challenge that. But you've got, <laughs> if we put 31 on that defense, yeah, the next show be. will be hella fun. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. We might actually have to record on a Friday night so we can get lit. (laughs) Well, lots to look forward to. Big game, divisional game. Chargers need to go four and two. Got to beat the Broncos at home because I'm fearful that the return, once the Broncos are, you know, a little bit more meshing, we might not win that one in mile high. We'll see how things go. They may never mesh. It's been awesome talking... All kinds of fun stuff. Positives, negatives out of the last game. What we can expect this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us, listeners. We look forward to, hopefully, chatting another Chargers win after Monday Night Football. Until then, take it easy. We'll see you next time on the Thunder Down Under. See you later. Go Bolts. is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen.